Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened Podcast. I'm your host, Mikkel. And I'm Bill. We're so glad you're with us. Awesome. So, Mikkel, one of the recent things that you and I have done is we had a conversation about uh, our current logo kind of sucked. Yeah, it pretty much did. <laughs> and it, it, so then we, we said, like, let's come up with something else. And uh, somebody we know, somebody we love, somebody you love more than I love, uh, came up with something really cool. So why don't you tell us about uh, that for a moment? So in talking to Kelty, um, we were trying to figure out the best way to come up with a logo. And what I had envisioned was, you know, just how, how do we incorporate awakening into a logo? I think that that was a little bit hard for me to visualize. And so in talking to Kelty, she had this idea of a person you know, kind of a generic person, sort of asleep, but sort of, you know, awake and just all of these things just flowing out of their head. And she's a fairly good artist. And so she sat down and started drawing it. And um, I believe you had come over, you and Amanda, um, and taken a look at it. And we added some more ideas. And it's just been amazing. Yeah, I love it. I loved it. Like to watch that on a piece of paper, uh, take place was just kind of cool. And then all of us were kind of jumping in and adding an extra symbol here or there. And so the logo is uh, towards the latter stages. They're still uh, the designers who took her concept and are uh, kind of professionalizing it. it and tweaking it. Yeah, they're adding a few extra symbols to it. Uh, but it, it's amazing too, as we went to uh, a couple of uh, freelance uh, designers to to put this thing together. I don't know if I want to call them graphic artists or computer designers, but essentially they came up with other ideas too. And I just kept saying like, no, let's go back to what Kelsey designed because it is perfect. And what, what I think it turned into really looks a lot like her original idea. And so I'm really proud of her and, and her coming up with that and, and all of us kind of putting our brains together and putting the symbols in. Um, today, Mikkel, you picked the topic of connection, and I think it's a beautiful subject. You and I talked about not preparing for this one, not reading a whole ton. And uh, I'm curious, man, where do you where do you think in here in this subject? What what is connection? So it's interesting as I've been thinking about this all week long. What what is it that I want to talk about, and what is it um, that I want to share? You know, ideas and things. And so there's there's been so much in my head and. One of the things that Kelsey said to me this morning was, don't think, don't think too much. And when someone says that to me, it's sort of like someone saying, calm down, which is never a good thing. When someone says, calm down, it just makes me more, more irritated. And so don't think. So it's been a little bit of a struggle for me. Um, but I did want to talk about a couple of things that came up this week and I'm sure we can we can tie them in to connection somehow, but I had an experience this week, Bill, where I went down to someone's office in administration, and I commented on the dress that she was wearing. It was um, like this blue sleeveless kind of 
it just looks really comfy. And I was like, hey, your dress is super cute. Where'd you get it? And she said, don't laugh, don't judge me, but I got it from Walmart. And so this question in my mind has been rolling around all week. Why do we care about where we get our clothes from? Why do we care about where we get our clothes from? And why do we care about what people think? Any, yeah, anything. And uh, so, so for me, if I'm going to jump in and say, like, we have made part of being human this, this goal to fit in, to belong. And anytime we risk that, anytime we're going to tell somebody a story that isn't naturally accepted, anytime we're going to tell people that we did some activity that isn't, isn't considered like cool or popular, there's, we feel a ton of risk of judgment because we've watched people judge others all the way up until this present moment. And we know it's hit or miss whether people will accept us for who we are and will accept our differences for simply being the way they are rather than, than pushing back against us or making comments or talking behind our back. It's so dumb. How, yeah. How often in school did you, you notice kids picking on each other or talking about each other behind each other's back? And you're like, oh my goodness, this world is set up in a way that we really go out of our way to hurt each other. So it's interesting because as I'm, as I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking, it's, it's, that's one way we prevent connection. That's one way we um, group each other and separate ourselves. That's not what brings us closer together. Yeah, so what does is, what is real connection look like? What, is, what does that mean when you say like, look, I want to talk about connection today. What are, what are you pointing the listener to? What is, what is the audience... I think what is the audience supposed to see from that word? I think just understanding, you know, maybe just even evaluating what connection means to them and looking at the ways that they try to connect with other people or avoid connecting with other people because I think the two go hand in hand. You can't you can't say you're connected if you're um not truly connected to yourself and if you're judging other people and um avoiding connection with with others. I went to a party. So you and I live in Utah and in Utah, there's a state holiday called pioneer day that celebrates when the Mormons went out West and and settled the area. It celebrates polygamy and abuse of women and children. Yeah, it does. And it also celebrates the, their separation from not only the country as a whole, the U.S. government and the country as a whole, but also they're putting their foot down and saying, we want to continue to practice this, this illegal thing that our country says that, uh, that is not allowed to be done. And, and so there's this kind of almost two weeks after July 4th, where we celebrate with our country, uh, Utah celebrates this Pioneer Day that is almost a separation from our country. Well, the, the people who are not Mormons... Uh, have had uh, a kind of a reshift of that day and called it Pie and Beer Day, which is a lot of fun. And there was a party on July 24th at a, I would call them friends. I don't know them super well, but I know them well enough to call them friends. And we went to their house and there was a ton of people there, Mikkel. And as everybody was having a great time, people are drinking, people are having fun, they're laughing. I, we all have different comfortabilities with certain size crowds. We all have different comfortabilities with different personalities and people around us. 
And as I sat in the midst of this large group, I would say there were probably 50 to, yeah, maybe 50 people or so. And I didn't like that. I was having fun. I wasn't having a bad time, but I was uncomfortable. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up just pulling my phone out and just looking at my phone through things because it was my way of disconnecting from everybody. Ah, I did Uh, the same thing. We went to Kelsey's family um, and there there were 30 plus people. And I don't know a ton of her family very well you know, extended family, aunts and uncles, cousins, those kinds of things. And sometimes large crowds, especially when I don't know a lot of people, make me uncomfortable. So I did the same thing. I kind of sat off to the side and pulled out my phone. Yeah, and it's it's kind of the opposite of connection, right? It's yeah. kind of choosing to not be connected to people. And I, I sat there, not in my head, lost in my phone, but conscious and present about what I was doing as I was doing it and evaluating whether that was really working for me or not. And I had the thought like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe this isn't working for me. Maybe what I need to do is I need to figure out some way to reinvest myself in these situations and make an effort like, like, no, like I'm, I'm almost like upset that the connection isn't happening. So this is my way of just doing my own thing. And the reality is I might be causing my own disconnection from these other humans. So what is connection to you, Bill? So connection for me is to be present in the space of another human being or multiple humans and to accept them for who they are. And to be, uh, again, I'm saying this again, but to be present with them, enjoying their diversity, enjoying who they are as a human being with, without that need to escape, without that need to make up stories about why they are better or worse than me, but just to realize like, oh, they're a human being just like me. Their stories are valuable and to listen to them, to sit with them, to essentially take part in their human experience. Man, I'm fucking it up then, Bill. <laughs> well, I think I am too. <laughs> I think we're all screwing this up. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we get better at it? And how do, we, how do we connect with people in a real and meaningful way? So how do we get better at it? Well, let me ask you this, Mikkel. What are the ways in which you disconnect from people? What are the ways in which you push people away? And and then let's talk about the ways in which we we join back in with people and enter their space. That's so hard. Um, I find that long conversations when there's not really a point are difficult for me. So if I, I'm listening to someone and their story's just going on and on and on, in my head, I'm thinking, man, just hurry up and get to the point because I I love people. And so I want to try and connect with everybody. And I can't do that all at the same time. So in my head, it's, you know, I've got it all mapped out. If I spend like two minutes here and then three minutes over there and then two minutes with this person, then I can connect with everybody. But, you know, even as I'm saying that, I realize that that's not, that's not real or, or genuine connection. Um So I really loved what you said about being present. And um, I find myself having to, to like remind myself, okay, I'm here talking to this person right now. 
and I should give them my full attention. And I should, like in my head, I should just like tell myself they're the only person that matters in that moment because that's that's really how it should be. Right. If you're worried about how you get away from that conversation and move on to something that's more interesting or whatever. Interesting, agreeable. A, yeah. That's that's kind of shitty. Well, it is, but we all we all we all do it. Uh, all of us humans do this thing where we look for people that we have things in common with. We look for people who can uh, teach us or inform us in ways that we find interesting. We look for people who make us laugh. We look for people who uh, get right to the point, as you're pointing out. We're looking for certain things, and when we don't find it, we start to then no longer be present but get inside our head and look for ways to escape the conversation and move on to the next moment, which will fulfill us and make us happy. Well, when the, when the reality is that's not the case either. Like right. we're always moving back and forth through, through life of trying to, in fact, let me say this. I was listening to Sam Harris this morning and his book, Waking Up, which I listened to a long time ago, but I was in a different space and I want to try to tackle it again. And he said, you know, the way we live our life, we, we eat a wonderful meal until we're so stuffed that we don't want to ever eat that food again. But And then we're so full, but then we have room for dessert. And then we take a bite of the dessert and it's delicious. But while that taste is in our mouth, we end up washing it away with a drink of water. We go out into the sun and the sun feels great until it doesn't. And then we move to the shade, which is so great until it starts to get too cold. And then we go to our vehicle and we grab our sweater and put it on. And now we're comfortable again. But, but now we recognize our sweater is old and tattered. And we start to think about, as you pointed out earlier, like will people start to judge me and think of... So we move constantly in life from chasing happiness, chasing satisfaction. And the reality is life is never just satisfaction. It is moment to moment, good and bad. And we're in it. The better we do it, just sitting in the moment with the good and the bad, the more fulfilled and the more joyful we actually find ourselves. So how do you stay present then, Bill? So for me, it's constantly thinking about it yeah. again, it's constantly going like, oh, here is another moment right here. I, I was laying down in bed with my wife and we were trying to be present. We were, we were naked. We were laying next to each other. We were cuddling. And every two or three minutes, she suddenly got a story in her head that she needed to talk about the past or the future. And as soon as she started, I said, wait, 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 right here we are. We're right here right now. And she would go, oh, oh, like you're right. And so then we just kind of refocused every time on being present. We get too caught up in the stories of what the past means and what's going to happen in the future. And if we just enjoy, like right here, right now, you and I are talking. Then you'd be... You're at your house. I'm here. Yeah. But you you would constantly be like, we're in a moment. We're in a moment. We're in a moment. We're in a moment. Like just... It's so hard not to go to those past experiences and to think about the future. A similar experience for Kelsey and I, you know, she's getting ready to go on a backpacking trip. She's going to be gone way too long, in my opinion, but (laughs) (laughs) it is what it is. You know, this is what, this is what she wants to do. And I have to stay and and work. And um, so this whole week I've been just like, I have to soak up every moment with you because you're going to be gone. And, And she just keeps reminding me like, we're here, like just. Let's just be right here for now. Do you sense like the what you what you really want is you want to soak up all the positive time you have with someone 
And what you end up doing is you're so scared of what the time you don't have them right. that you end up wasting the time you have Worrying worried about, about the time you don't have them. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. It's insane. So to be present. And so when, when we talk about connection, at least for me, so for instance, you and I are going to a party tonight, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Are you going? <laughs> I'm still debating again because I want this, this time with Kelsey. Yeah. So let's pretend for a moment. Let's pretend for a moment that you're going. Okay. What, what are the parties like that we go to? And I want you to talk about them in terms of connection. What are the things that you're doing? You're like, man, I really loved the connection that was happening there. So I, what's interesting to me is that the, the dynamics of our group make it really easy for me to be able to connect with people. And maybe that's something that I've done myself, but I also feel like there's been some give from um, other people in our group. And so from, I'm just going to like lay it out there, Bill. Um, one of the things that I love and which helps me connect to other people is touch. And it's intimate touch, but not like sexual touch. And we've talked about this differentiation before, but it's for some reason, I love earlobes and I love facial hair on men, even though I'm not attracted to men. So for me, this this connection that I have is rubbing, you know, on your earlobe or whoever else is in the group and just like sitting next to you and maybe I'm rubbing your face and feeling, you know, your scruff. For me, that's very connecting when another human being allows you into their space with touch. How worried are you about the past and the future in that very moment? So up until recently, I wasn't worried at all. Um, and it, it's very easy for me in those moments to just be there and have a conversation and maybe not, maybe it's just sitting next to each other and not having any conversation at all. You're set up until recently. Yeah. I just, there, there, there was a thought that maybe, um, that was crossing a boundary. Um, and so I'm just evaluating that and checking in with people to make sure that I'm honoring, you know, their relationship with their significant other and their space, because I don't ever want to cross um, or hurt anybody. Yeah, I was with a couple of friends last night. I'll, I'll try to throw it in, uh, throw in with you on this conversation in this specific arena. I'm with some friends last night and they said, what are you two talking about tomorrow? And I said, we're talking about connection. And I said, I'm scared. I'm scared. And here's why I'm scared. I'm scared because I, just like you, it's one of the reasons you and I get along so well, I love human touch. Human touch to me, if I can sit in the space with another human being and put my arm around them or hold their hand or rub their arm. And and this this is going to sound like, again, this is where I'm being vulnerable and I'm, uh, I'm taking a chance because I know the listenership, some people will see this and they will make judgment calls about what this means. I like to sit in a space with a female because female skin is soft, because I am heterosexual. Not that the experience is a sexual experience, but I, I enjoy the touch of female skin. And so to sit next to you and to have you rub my ear and for me to hold your hand it's not sexual at all, right? Like we've been friends for over a year. Yeah. You, you were not, tr nobody's trying to get in somebody else's pants. Right. But to sit next to somebody and to feel the validation of human touch 
It's like my thing. But it's easy. And again, I understand you're having to reevaluate this. But it's easy, Mikkel, for a female to walk up to other females and put their arm around them. You're a lesbian. In, in the same way that I, as a heterosexual, can walk up to a female and put my arm around or hold her hand and the crowd or even the person that I'm attempting that interaction with can make certain judgments in their head. It is simply safer for a female to enter that space and to uh, have contact with another female or to initiate contact with a male friend and to have that happen. For me, I am scared to, like, I can't. I have to sit in a space and I have to wait until it is obvious that another human being is looking for that kind of interaction or they initiate it themselves. And so sometimes I sit at a get together. We had a thing at our house uh, a week ago and I'm sitting on my couch in my house and one of our friends, a female, she comes up and sits by me and in my mind, I, I think, I'm pretty sure that she feels uh, safe and wants to have a touch interaction. And yet, I it cannot initiate it, and maybe she's waiting for me to initiate it. It's so difficult as a male to enter that space. And yet, I think, if I go to like now the 20,000-foot view, I know some humans don't like touch. I think most humans are deeply craving human touch. I think they're deeply craving human connection and they don't know how to do it. And our society has laid out what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. And there's this battle to say like, I want validation and I want to be okay. And I want to, and I want to be in connection with other human beings. And yet I don't know how to do it. And I'm simply saying for a male, it's even tougher, I think, than it is for a female. It's, it's accepted in our society that women, uh, can have that kind of connection with each other. Meanwhile, two guys, like I've got a friend, we've got a friend who has attempted at times to like sit in my space and to put his arm around me and to rub my shoulder, to hold my hand. And he is heterosexual as well. And yet you can sense like, oh, like he that's holds back. taboo. Yeah, it's taboo. Yeah. It's a taboo thing today. It's, I certainly hold back. It's so dumb. These these arbitrary rules that we think that we have to follow because we're so worried about what other people are going to think and what they're going to say. Like, how do we how do we move past that and just do what how do we do what just makes us happy? Yeah. So I think the secret is you have to find other human beings who also want to be connected are willing to be vulnerable, willing to step into that space and to show themselves and to uh, trust that this thing is is real and that it is legitimately trustable. Yeah, and I think that there you have to take a little bit of a risk, which again is easier for women to do than it is for a man. But, you know, like the first time I touched your ear, you know, just checking in and making sure like, hey, is that okay? Yeah. And I think once you find the space, like I've gone to parties now. So again, we've got this core group of friends and I think we all trust each other pretty damn deeply. And we get to parties where there's that group there and then there's an extended group. And you can start to sense as people are interacting that as you watch connection, whether it's emotional, whether it's conversational, 
whether it is physical connection, you start to sense like, oh, everybody really wants this. Nobody knows exactly how to go about it. And you start to sense like there's people who can lean into it more easily. It's just, man, it's trial and error. And there is risk. I'm I'm afraid, Mikkel. I'm afraid that I'm going to sit down next to somebody and two things are going to happen. One is that they're going to see my initiating physical contact as some sort of predatory behavior when it's absolutely not. The other thing I worry about is that the person I'm initiating it with is perfectly okay with it. And then, but then their significant other who's sitting six feet away is running through their head telling stories about what that is that, that isn't true and which essentially complicates a friendship or a relationship. Yeah, it makes things tricky. Um, let's jump to something else. What, what do you do in terms of strangers? You mentioned it earlier in terms of talking to this uh, coworker, which maybe isn't a full stranger, but how do you initiate? Because what you did works with strangers. What's, what's the secret to connecting with just people you run into at the grocery store or at, or at Walmart while you're buying a dress? So I, one of the things that I love is noticing people. And I love complimenting people. So I have two examples. Um, Earlier this week when we were in Monroe, we were at a parade and um, there was this older lady and I, probably not that old, but older to me. Um, I would say she was in her sixties and she had rainbow hair. Her hair was about shoulder length and it was rainbow. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cool and super brave in a small town to have hair like that. Um, So I went up to her and I said, hey, I really love your hair. And we chatted for a few seconds, you know, just her saying, thank you. I really appreciate that. Not everybody likes it. And, and I, I just, you know, I love it and keep rocking it, lady. Um, And then yesterday uh, we had ordered school shoes for the kids and one of the shoes was too small for my daughter. So I took him back to the store to exchange them for a different size. And I had my son Tobin with me. And he's super shy and he avoids connection at all costs. Just he would prefer to stay by himself. But I made him come into the store with me. And all the people that work at Famous Footwear know me on a first name basis. And I know their names um, because I just, I love connecting with people. And so I walk into the store, um, the assistant manager helps me get everything exchanged. And she's like, have a great day, Mikkel. We'll see you next time. And as I'm leaving, I notice one of the other workers um, and I, I walk up to her and I say, Hey, we have a mutual friend. And we chatted for a few minutes about who our mutual friend was. And, you know, then I, then I left the store and went on with my day. I just, I find people fascinating and I love being able to connect with them. One of the other things I love to do is notice people's names, like the people at Walmart, because they're, they're people too, but let's be honest, they probably don't get treated like human beings at Walmart. No, no. So I love when people help. Like, hey, thanks, Bob, for checking me out today. Hope you have a great day. I do the same thing. So when my wife and I go shopping, and specifically Walmart, for I think you're hitting on something, which is that when you're a good human being, you perceive others and perhaps some of the hardships they're dealing with because of whether it's their station in life 
whether it's the uh, so for instance working at Walmart the thing you're pointing to which is the ton of customers who come through the lack of consideration sometimes the busyness of people kind of just wanting to get through their day playing on their phones moving along and probably the lack of actual human connection that's going on and so when me and my wife go to Walmart when I get up to a clerk at the at the checkout counter or my wife and I are asking for help from somebody on where an item might be I do that too. If I see someone smile, I'll say, man, you've got a beautiful smile. And you can sense like when you stop and you're present for a moment and you give somebody positive feedback when maybe they don't get a lot of that, you you can just sense like instantaneously you've changed someone's day. And yeah. I, I just find that to be beautiful. And I find it to be the the uh, height, the... the um, People just want to be noticed. Yeah, the deepest example of connection. And yes, people just want to be known. Everybody just wants to belong. And they just want to say like, okay, here's who I am. Is this acceptable? And I think when you tell folks that their smile's beautiful, that their outfit looks nice, that they were were kind in the way that they treated you, I just think you make such a difference in the world. And these ripples that we make, we don't understand the full scope of them. There's this Buddhist idea of karma Uh, And I don't think karma in terms of like, I did something nice, so now the universe does something nice back to me. But rather, you do something nice, and these ripples extend far, far out beyond that interaction. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. Well, Bill, I was having a hard time waking up this morning. You know how it goes. You stay up too late partying or hanging out with friends. And then you've got to get up early to record a podcast. So what do we do in those instances? And on every other day of the week? Coffee. Red Roca coffee. It helps you and me. As we're awakening in the morning. My favorite brew is Heathens or Good Mojo. And sometimes I like it hot. In the summertime, every once in a while, I'll drink it cold. Red Roca Coffee is a small family-owned business here in the United States. If you need a cup of joe to help you awaken, give Red Roca Coffee a try. We're sure you'll like it. We're sure you'll like it. That's Red Roca, R-O-C-A, coffee.com. When you place your order, put in the code AWAKE. A-W-A-K-E. You'll get a 10% discount, and you'll get free shipping on orders over $30. Check out Red Roca Coffee today. Again, Red Roca Coffee. For those times when you need help awakening. Um, Another thing I wanted to hit on with you, we talked about connection with friends. We've talked about connection with strangers. Now I want to hit the two ends of the spectrum, uh, one of those being your significant other. How do you connect with Kelsey? So again, touch. She likes her back scratched. She likes her head rubbed or, you know, my fingers running through her hair. And she likes, um, she likes to face me when we're talking. Um, I have this really bad habit of if I'm feeling upset or, um, frustrated by something, I will avoid looking at you because then I feel like it, it just, lessens the tension inside. Um, and so she, she will often get right in my face during those hard moments and force me to connect. Mm. Um, Amanda. So we know this idea of love languages. Again, my love language is touch. That is not my wife's love language. My wife though, over the last couple of years, has made this beautiful transformation into leaning into my love language and giving the kind of touch that makes me feel whole in the world. 
like just again rubbing my face, rubbing my arm, holding my hand, and and doing it in a way that she had never done it before. And I'm still like I feel bad because I'm still struggling. Her love language, she says she's kind of like a chameleon. It can be lots of little different things, um, but one of them is simply listening, which I struggle with. I'm not a listener. And, and also giving her of my time. And so I'm always busy and I'm always moving and I'm always going from place to place. And I always want to get things done and just kind of move around and, and just knock a bunch of things out of my to-do list. And I'm trying so hard. It is really difficult. And, but as I've done it, and I'm still struggling, my appreciation for her and how well she's done in leaning into the ways that connect with me man, I, I've just fallen more deeply in love. She's, she's been amazing in that regard. That's awesome. I've seen that between you guys. I've seen a lot of shifting and it's been really cool to watch. Yeah, the same back at you guys. To watch, to watch couples as time goes on, because we do this thing very differently, as Richard Rohr says, on the first half of life, when we're shielding ourselves and we're protecting ourselves. On the back end here, on the second half of life, to watch couples start to sense like, oh, the way we've always done this thing isn't the best way to do it. Let's start leaning into loving each other better. Uh, we've got friends, the, the couples in our, in, our, in our tribe, the way they love each other. Um, I, I don't want to name names, but I watch these couples and a lot of them listen to this podcast to watch them grow and to see how much they feed off each other and love each other and fill in the voids that the other has. It's it's really is beautiful to watch human beings as they try to connect with each other. Yeah, it's it is really cool. One of the things that I've noticed too, Bill, is that as humans, I think that there's a lot of things that we have in common with each other. For example, you've talked about how we relate so well to one another because we have a lot of similarities. But there's also pieces of me that I relate to Amanda on. And same with Kelsey. There's pieces of Kelsey that you relate to and she relates to you on, on a you know, a, a different level. But there's also pieces of Kelsey and Amanda. And I've noticed that it, within our tribe, there's there's pieces of our personalities that we connect to another person on and like just understanding that connection um, is really been fascinating to watch that, that we all have similarities, but we all have differences and how can we bring those similarities out um, and how can we talk about our differences in a safe space and in a loving way um, to just bring our group together more. It's been yeah. cool. Yeah, I think you hit on something. So earlier you mentioned when we're in conversations with somebody who's saying something that just doesn't interest us or they're going on too long. And it's a, really, it is only going on too long about things that don't interest us, right? Like if the conversation right. was super interesting, we wouldn't care that they're telling a long story. Right. You and I have a really good friend who tells uh, really long stories, but he keeps everybody laughing and he keeps everybody interested in the story. That's not the issue. The issue is when someone rambles on and on about things we don't really care about. And what you point to is that if we want to be connected more, if we want to be in connection more in the moment with different people, 
we've got to find similarities. We've got to find spaces where we can sit with them and go like, oh, yeah, I deal with that too. Or I can learn something from what they're saying. Or, hey, there's a difference. Let me validate their difference and make a safe space for that diversity. I think there are ways to re-engage these conversations so that rather than checking out, maybe we slightly shift and check back in. Uh, yeah, our perspective and check back in and move things back into connection. Yeah, I like that. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on was connection to the universe. Oh, man. Connection to the planet. Connection to not not animal life necessarily, although I want to tie that in. But this big flying rock that we're all living on. What are your thoughts on connection to that? It's been interesting. Kelsey and I were talking about this earlier in the week about how our perspective has changed. You know, over the last few years, I find that I appreciate nature so much more than I ever have before. And so thinking about, you know, why that is, Kelsey's got this fascination and connection with plants. She loves plants and she's named all of our house plants and she when she waters them, she touches them and talks to them. And it's really beautiful to me. And so thinking about that, it's just, I don't know. I, I, there has to be a connection. I don't know what that is yet, but there, there's a quote and I've said it before on this podcast. I, maybe the listeners will get tired of hearing it. I don't know that I'm ever going to let it go. It's a new mantra for me. And it just speaks volumes, which is that we are the universe experiencing being human for a little while. And when I sit and think about the last, whatever it is, 10 billion years that this rock has been flying through space and life has come out of it and that life has evolved. And now here we are having evolved out of whatever that was at the very beginning, some, some microbes, some piece of algae, whatever it was that we came out of, in reality, we really are a piece of this planet experiencing the consciousness of this particular human that you are, you are sitting in right now for just a little while and then it's over. And it, it makes me, one, it makes me appreciative of each moment because time is short. Life is short. I'm 40 years old. I'll be turning 41 shortly. I've got a mother who is 60 who's dying of cancer. I've got kids who are growing up so fast. And I realize like before I know it, like I'm at least I'm at least halfway if not further. And um it makes me realize like this time on this planet is so short. I I've got to figure out better ways to be present and to appreciate each moment as I'm driving to work rather than being in my head worried about what I have to do for the day, I look around. We're in a beautiful area. The, the colors Man, we are really some, are. Yeah. The colors are somewhat uniform, but we're in a space where that those color schemes and the mountains are unique to anywhere else in the United States. And as I look around at the mountain formations, I look around at the colors, on my drive to work every morning, I try to spend time just being present with the beauty that's around me. And then I and then I also escape from that and I start thinking about like how were those mountains formed and the time that went into that and what species of animals have probably walked this land over the last billion years it really is amazing 
to, to be like, it's a miracle that you and I are here in this body with this consciousness at this moment. If you change anything, if your dad and your mom have sex three minutes later, I could have been if, a boy. Yeah. If, and it wouldn't be the same consciousness, right? A completely right. different person. Right. If, if your grandparents had, uh, in school, uh, tripped and fell one more time, the entire timeline is completely different. You are a miracle. And so for me to kind of think about that is deeply connecting to the universe. It's fascinating. I, I was telling you earlier this week, um, I found this, I don't know what it's called. It's called a birth chart. One of my friends at work had tell, told me about it. And uh, so you put in your birth date, the time you were born and the city you were born. And then it gives you the like pages and pages of information. And so I sent it to you, Bill, just for kicks. Did you read it at all? I did. I plugged my data oh my in. Gosh. I've read it. And I've done that before, this this astrology stuff. I've done it before. And I'm not I'm such a skeptic. I don't believe in horoscopes and things. But when we sat around a table with a friend plugging all that in and her reading everybody's uh, chart, she nailed everybody to a T and to the point where if she had read that person's chart to any other person, we would have said, like, no, that's not me. That's not me. That wouldn't fit. But it fit that person. And, and so I find it deeply fascinating. Yeah, me too. I don't understand it um, a whole lot. So I've reached out to my Facebook people to see if someone can point me to some resources because I would like to learn about it, whether or not it's true. I don't know, but it's fascinating. Yeah, and we should mention, by the way, here, let me just put a little plug in. So we not only have a website, almostawakened.org, there's also a, a Facebook page that represents the podcast where we share interesting quotes and things. But just this week, uh, we also created a Facebook group, the Almost Awakened group. And there not, aren't very many people in it yet because we haven't publicized it. So here's the first time. If you're listening to this podcast and you love the conversations around being a human being, on this rock flying through space and you want to have these kinds of conversations on a regular basis, please join the group. It's public now. At some point, I think we'll turn it private um, to the extent where people can find it, but they won't be able to see the conversations that are happening because I think there's a lot of things we want to talk about that I think need some level of people being able to feel like it's a safe space. Sure. But I hope people will go on and join the group. We'll see what kind of happens uh, after this episode if, if anybody does do that. Yeah, so just kind of getting back to what you were talking about earlier, you know, stars and and this planet and all of that. I I have this fascination with rocks too and this belief that everything carries energy, everything has energy. And um I may not fully understand it, but I do believe that rocks have a certain energy and and can bring certain elements of, of their various energies into your home or into your space. And I know that you're super skeptical about that. I, I am, but I also don't write it off. I've seen enough in my life to know that I'm not sure about everything. And I think a level of uncertainty, a level of uncertainty combined with skepticism, like I don't know everything. There are things I don't know. There are things the world doesn't know. There are things that are yet unexplained. Uh, but at the same time, I want to be a skeptic about that. I want to have doubt about things, but I also want to be open to the fact that if evidence comes forward that supports it, like let's grab onto it. And I agree with you to the extent that I've seen enough things to know that there are things at work in this universe that I don't quite understand yet. Yeah, which again, just 
kind of ties everything back into connection. I think that everything is connected in some way, whether we understand it or not. And that could be energetically or, you know, like physically. Um, so it's just so fascinating. I want to ask you a question about astrology. And I think we'll do an episode on this at some point. We've got enough people in our, in our uh, reach that are delving into this space that we could have somebody on and have a conversation. But I want to ask you, because I was asking my wife this, and, and you and I aren't going to know the answer, but I think it's a fun place to play for just a second. In this idea of astrology, if we give credit that the date you're born on and the time of day you're born on and the year you're born deeply influences the kind of personality you come into the world with. And I, again, I would challenge all skeptics. I'll put a link on the website on this episode show notes where listeners can click it and put in that information and get their chart. I would challenge you to do that and see if it describes you in a way that is unique to you and wouldn't match your significant other or your friends. So my question is, if that's true, and let's assume for a moment it is, do you think it's that the you like you're in your mom's, you know, you're a, you're in your mom's womb, and you have that personality, and hence the universe dictates like you've got to be born only in these partitions of time, like you have to be born this Tuesday at three thirty-two, or you have to be born next Wednesday at six forty-nine, or or, or is it that the act of being born at that moment gives you that personality? Hmm. That's a really good question. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, think, I don't think that anything's predetermined, if that makes sense. So I don't think it's the universe saying, okay... We've got Mikkel here, and she has to be born at, you know, whatever, Tuesday at 2.39 or whatever. But I think that being born, you're, you fall into it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. Hmm. I, what because, I, what I, go ahead. Yeah, because reading my, my birth chart, my natal chart, there are pieces in here that, I mean, I haven't read all of it, but I've read most of it. It is so spot on. It's crazy. Yeah, I would say, and, and, I, and I don't mean it in the way like, uh, you're going to find a job helping people. Like, right. it, it's not so bland that you're like, all of us fit into it, and I'm just seeing what I want to see. I'm, I'm skeptical of that, and I can see through that. What I found, Mikkel, is as I read this, and my wife read hers, it was about 80% on for me and about 80% on for her. And had we switched charts, it would have been like 30% on for me and 30% on for her. Like it was close enough that it was more than just seeing what you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a piece in here, Bill, that I wanted to read of mine. Um, and you tell me whether you agree with it or not. Um, it says... Your identity rides on your sense of personal freedom. It can be quite a challenge to get you to do what you don't want to do simply because you see any attempt by others to push you in a certain direction as threatening to your sense of freedom. Yeah, see that, that nails you. And I'm just thinking <laughs> as you say that, that if my wife had read that, I would be like, that's not you. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's been fascinating. So, yeah, I hope maybe some point we'll dive into that. I hope that we can maybe help listeners and help ourselves 
just come to a realization that the universe is bigger than we understand and there are things at work. It ties me into, and this goes back to connection, we've we've explored various things. One of the things is the Enneagram, which splits human beings up into oh. like eight or nine personality types. I think nine, nine personality types. And then there's this astrology stuff, which comes into play and has all these uh, variations of kinds of personalities and mindsets. What I think happened on some level is that evolution over 10 billion years, and again, there's an intelligence to evolution. It's not consciousness. It's not aware of what it's doing, but there is an intelligence to it. That intelligence is designed to push for the perpetuation of any given species. And it is whatever species can adapt and can deal with challenges, whether it be weather changes to an environment, whether it be changes in food supply, evolution's intelligence pushes for the perpetuation of various species. What I think helps us humans survive is having different kinds of personality types, having different kinds of humans that fill in the voids and gaps of things that we can't do and can do and help each other. And I think 10 billion years has figured out a beautiful way of evening out the number of personality types needed to perpetuate the species and to adapt. Hmm, That's interesting to think about. So that's my two cents. Hmm. Um, Any other thoughts here as we kind of talk about connection? I mean, we can go for a few more minutes. Is there other areas that you kind of feel kind of drawn to to talk about in in this conversation? So one other thought that came to mind was um, the transformation that occurs as, as we start shifting some of our mindsets, as we start awakening a little bit. And one experience that came to mind for me was um, when we took you shopping, Bill. Do you remember that? Oh, you... In some ways, you you changed my life that day. <laughs> we we were still, I think, on maybe the front end of kind of really becoming good friends. Yeah. Uh, and I'll let you tell the story, but man, that that certainly meant a lot to me that day. You like we we loved you from the moment. Well, maybe not from the first moment, but you know, pretty quickly on, we've we've loved you and Amanda, and you're kind of nerdy, but that's one of the reasons that I love you, and we decided that it was time for some new clothes. So yeah, I, mean, I had a certain you, way of dressing. Let's see. The way I dressed would be khaki pants, one size too big. With pleats. With pleats and uh, solid color button down shirts all the way, dressing almost like I'm getting ready to go to the Baptist church on Sunday. Yeah. And so it was time for an upgrade. And so... We convince you and Amanda, Kelsey and I convince you and Amanda to go shopping with us, and we were going to pick out some things for you to wear that we thought would look awesome. And you let us, you let us pick out a few things, and you were there were a few things where you were like, mm, that's not going to ever work for me. But you were willing to try a couple of new things. And just even now looking at you, you know, you came over to our house um, a couple of weeks ago in these really awesome pants, which I would never thought you would wear, but they were super cool. So just seeing you transform um, has been really fascinating and just super, like, I, I feel like you're coming into your own personality more. I feel like you're becoming more comfortable with yourself. It's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. So now the dress mode is like shredded jeans 
and the shirts they still can be buttoned down, but they'll they'll they be patterns. Like, yeah, patterns. They'll have you know pineapples on them, or they'll have sharks on them, or or some type of motif. Uh, and then sometimes it'll just be like a, just a regular T-shirt, but but more dressy and designed than just a regular T-shirt. Um, and so I've had a lot of fun with it. Like now when I go out shopping, that's what I go to. I go to the cool looking jeans, either in color or they're shredded. I look for shirts with more character to them. Uh, I, I used color as the way to set myself kind of as different. And now I'm going more for like design. Uh, and it, it's been a complete change. Even the shoes, you helped me pick out these Adidas shoes that day, uh, black and white. And it was so different because I always just wore dress shoes. I just always tried to dress like I was going to church, essentially. And now I'm dressing like, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what the word is, but it, it's certainly, I think, a lot cooler. And so I'm really happy about that. I, I will tell you, too, <laughs> hitting on this idea of connection, the friend's house we were at last night, uh, the wife looked over at me and, she, and we were, I was talking about you. And she goes, how did you and Mikkel get to be such good friends? And I said, you know, I said, you know, it's. It's been kind of interesting in that the moment the two of us met each other, there seemed to be a willing, like, first off, the, the thing that helped a lot is we are really the same person in a lot of ways. Basically. Yeah. And so when you perceive something happening in a group, I'm looking over at you going like, yep, I see the same thing. Or <laughs> when you do something, it's easy for me to come to you and to kind of push against it and say, hey, that wasn't healthy because I'm doing the same unhealthy stuff. And so that's made it easy. But another thing was, I think from the very beginning, you trusted me to be trustable. And I trusted you to be trustable. And now here we are a little over a year later, and that's that's held up. That's been solid. That hasn't, that hasn't um, faltered. It, it hasn't broken apart. It's it's had integrity. Right. Even through the hard stuff. Yeah. Even through the hard stuff, though, like oh, you, yeah. you keep showing up for me, even when we have difficult conversations or even when there's been, you know, some tension. And, and I would have to say, like, I trusted my intuition. I, I trusted that you uh, were trustworthy. And so I treated you as if you were not really knowing the full extent of whether you were going to hurt me or not, but I trusted you, you know, trusted my intuition and I, and I decided to take that risk and trust you. And so it has created this beautiful friendship. I think, um, that I have never had before, never had a friendship like this before. Right. And I feel the exact same way. And so it's been beautiful. And it like, anytime I'm just with you, like my life is better if you're in my space and I enjoy, I enjoy being your friend. It means a lot. And I, and I think we can take this back and go like, okay, as we reach out to people, whether it's the people in our group or whether it's new people that we meet, I think on some level, you, you said this last time when we talked about vulnerability, you have to sense, you have to use your gut to sense like, is this person trustable in that way? But I think you also, when you perceive that they're trustable, you have to give them the chance. You have to lean into connection and see if they're, if they're able to be in that same space and if you can build a friendship that is deep and meaningful. And again, you can't do that by playing on your phone. You can't do that by 
looking for reasons to step away from a conversation, we all have to kind of lean into like, hey, this might be a really good human being. Let me see if I can build something here and let me lean into that. Right. And I think, you know, in my mind, I think that sometimes people think that there's a magic formula, like step one, do this. Step two, do this. There's no, there's no magic formula to it. It's sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes your friendship's going to fracture. Like, like I said, we've had instances where there's been a lot of attention, like tension in the relationship and we, we've, we've talked about it. And so you have to be willing to solve problems in a healthy way. And sometimes that's going to be you being more healthy than me and sometimes vice versa. And so you just, I, I, I wish that there was a magic formula that I could give people, but I think you said it perfectly. You just have to keep being vulnerable. You have to trust your intuition and you have to keep leaning in and showing up. You read a quote last time from Brene Brown. If you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. Right. And I want to, I want to speak to that in terms of connection. So if you're not taking some risk, and again, it's educated risk, it's calculated risk, it's uh, using that intuition. But if you're not leaning in to being vulnerable with people, like real connection involves two human beings getting into the same space and being vulnerable about things that might be a little risky to say about their differences, about their shadows. If you're not putting yourself at risk and sometimes getting your ass kicked, then, then you're not taking the chances that are necessary to enter these spaces of connection. Yeah, I, I think you're so right. Um, and, and just one last thought, Bill, maybe you could share your insight on this. I was talking to a friend at work um, about connection, and she had a really good point. She told this story of um, she ran into somebody that she knew from high school, and this person had told her that they had sent her flowers to ask her to a dance. And she was like, I never got any flowers. And and this kid was like, yeah, I sent them, you know, this was your house, and sent them to this address and I never heard anything back. So in my head, I just told myself like, she hates me. And it, for her, the story was she never got the flowers. They were delivered to somebody else's house and she would, you know, she says, I never would have treated him that way. I would have given him an explanation as to why I didn't want to go to the dance or couldn't go to the dance or whatever. And so I think that sometimes our messages can be misinterpreted. And so We've got to just keep checking in with people that we're connecting with and communicating. And I think that that will, that will help solve some of the problems that we have in our connection. Yeah, you're pointing to two things that come up for me. One is that when we're in our head telling narratives about each other, rather than trying to sit with that person and see what's really going on, we often are placing wedges that aren't even real in these relationships. So as you sat and told a story about what that was, you're putting a wedge or distance in that relationship when the healthiest thing to do is to go and, and just say something. Yeah. Like we it. have to, yeah, we have to get comfortable sitting in spaces with each other and saying hard things. That's that's one. 
The second thing is we have to make room for people to make mistakes. Sometimes I'm going to forget your birthday, Mikkel, and I'm not going to call you and wish you a happy birthday, or it's going to come late in the day where you know that somebody else told me, and now I'm telling you. You're going to have to figure out, all of us are going to have to figure out how to allow each other to make mistakes. So one thing that's going to happen in connection when you take the risk, even with your closest friends, is in small ways, there, there's times where you and I are probably going to betray each other. Yeah. There's times where you know we tell a story we shouldn't have told, or we do something we shouldn't have done, or we forget to do something we should have. And there has to be enough love and respect between friends or people who want to enjoy connection that you have to cut some break. And again, there is a line. It goes too far if someone takes all of your sacred stories and simply uses them to get a laugh out of people. Right. But it's also something else if you say like, if anybody does anything wrong, I'm just going to move on. That doesn't work. We're humans. We're flawed. We have shadows. We are going to hurt each other at times. It's about getting back into the space and saying like, hey, and again, this goes back to the first one, asking and talking and speaking about it and giving that person a chance to reconcile and explain and to own it if there really was an unhealthy behavior to own it. I think the only way you can do this thing is to make space for mistakes. Absolutely. And I find, at least in our experience, that our friendship deepens when we can have those hard conversations and when we can sit in those spaces with each other, holding each other accountable, but also making room for you to, you know, for all of us to make mistakes um, and and come back into that level of connection. I find that it, it deepens. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, if you want connection, you have to be vulnerable. You have to take chances, trust your gut, and you have to be on some level forgiving of mistakes because they're just they're simply going to occur yeah this has been fun bill yeah been a blast i i hope people are enjoying the almost awakened podcast again check out almostawakened.org dot org this has been another almost awakened episode check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes make a donation to keep this podcast running Email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman.